do you ever want to uh, think about this? You ever you ever want to see God move in your life? And I'm I'm talking about not just words, but I, but do you ever want to see God work in your life? Is that really something that we even consider uh, in our day? Is that something we think about as we go through the course of our day? Uh, I think about as we're moving through these accounts, as we read these things that happen in the in the Bible. Uh, really radical things. You think about it. Here's the Red Sea and it, it crushes this army. Here's the, the Jordan River that we're going to see today. Really radical, radical things. I'm afraid when we read those things, we think, you know what? God did those things back then or he was doing mighty things back then, but it's not how he works anymore. And so we're, we're just maybe in a different perspective or a different mindset, just trudging through life accepting the normal things, just content with normal things. And so I read about, hey, this is a guy, Joshua, just like us. Hey, we read about Moses, we read about Abraham, and they see these tremendous things, see these, these awesome things, and then I'm kind of just content to say, well, that was them, but we live in a different day. Are you content with just the normal things of life, just to go to work, just to keep your yard straightened up, to, to go to your kids' games or your grandkids' games, and you've really got the mindset that, you know what, life is not going to be terrible. I'm going to try to do the things that it's not terrible, but it's just going to be normal. It's just going to be fine. You know what, I'll, I'll live all these years and it'll just be normal. Well, I want us to think as we, as we read this account today, do you know that God hasn't changed Bible says God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same for all eternity. God hasn't changed. He's capable of doing mighty things, marvelous things in our day, in your life. He's capable of doing marvelous, mighty things in your life. So the question is, how do you see God move in your life? Now, that's, that's a pretty weird question. Uh, I hear all sorts of crazy answers how do, you, how do you see God move in your life? Well, today as we look at the life of Joshua, we're going to see, actually see how God moves his people. And it's probably not going to be anything we expect, but we're going to see how God actually works, how he moves in the life of his people. Now, remember the context. Remember where we're at. In the nation of Israel, this is, this is one awesome, tremendous story uh, they have ended up in slavery there in Egypt. Uh, they've been there so many generations that they can't remember not being there. They can't remember all they know is, is, is working as a slave. And they cry out to God. They, they have no answer. If God doesn't, doesn't act, they're not going to be delivered. And, and they cry out to God. God hears their cries. And remember, he, he calls and he sends Moses. Uh, Moses is going to be the, the, hand, the tool in his hand for his deliverance. And, and God deals with Pharaoh, and there's the plagues and the Passover. Um, he, he, he lures them out, and they, they follow up to the Red Sea, and there they're, they're caught between the sea and this tremendous army. And then God opens it up. That's an actual story. Opens it up, and he, and he crushes this army there in the Red Sea. Uh, not only that, as they, as they travel through the wilderness, he provides for them. He leads them. He gives them manna. He gives them quail. Uh, they find water in the midst of a, of a desert and, and all of these tremendous things. Uh, because of their rebellion, they wander 40 years in the desert. And now after all of those things, all of those years, they're now on the edge of the Jordan River. All of these things, all, all of these days. 
And here they are camped on the edge of the Jordan River. Now here's the question. How does God move his people? Now we're going to see a tremendous thing that he does, but, but it's pretty awesome to see how he does it. Here they are all of these days, all of these events, and they're camped on the edge of the Jordan River. How does God move his people? Now let me start us off. We're going to look at a whole lot of verses. At the end of, of Joshua chapter 2, the spies come back. They sent out some spies. And in Joshua chapter 2 verse 24 says this. And they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. In verse 24, the spies come back and they tell Joshua, you know what, the land is ours. We've gone in the promised land, it is ours. And, and the Lord himself has given it over to us. Our enemies have melted away in front of us. You know what, the promised land is ours. That's the report of the spies. Then we move to chapter three, and this is our account for today. Now listen to this, I'm gonna read the first four verses. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. And there they lodged before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be a distance between you of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. First four verses, Joshua tells the people, you know what, we're going to come and we're going to pass through your midst. And when you see the, the priest, the priests of the Levites, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, now remember, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It's not, it's not God, but it represents the presence of God. He says, when you see the priests come through and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, get in and follow behind them. Now there's a whole, there's a whole slew of people, a lot of people. And so he says, now don't get close to it. Don't overwhelm it. But 2,000 cubits back, follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now listen to verse four again. However, there shall be a shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Listen to this. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go for you have not passed this way before. How does God move his people? The first thing we see is this today. They have to look to God. They have to look to God. That's what's happened here. You know what? We can't run up on this. We can't overcrowd it. But here's the, the, the ark that represents the symbolic presence of God. And we're to look to God himself. Now, when I say that today, that sounds pretty simple. That sounds maybe kind of cliche today. But I want you to think about us today. Our eyes today are everywhere. Our eyes are everywhere today. We live in the most distracted day, I believe, in the history of the world. We, we have jobs and we have bills and we got stuff to worry about and we got TV to watch and we got phones with social media on them and all that stuff. We are so distracted today. Listen to this. If we're gonna see God work, if you're gonna see God work in your life, you're gonna have to put your eyes 
upon God. You're going to have to fix your eyes upon God. Now, what, what that means is you're going to have to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? What does God desire from me this day? What is going to honor God this day? What has God led me to do this day? And you're going to have to fix your eyes upon God. We have to set our eyes on God before us, and that's how he's going to move. That's how he's going to lead us. So here's the question. Man, I'd like to see God move in my life. I'd like to see tremendous things in my life. I haven't seen anything like this. Well, let me ask you this question. How much are we considering God? Here it is, 1230, 12, on this Thursday. How much have you thought about God today? His honor, his name, his plan, his will. How about we back it all the way up to this week? The course of this week, how much have you said, you know what, I, I want to honor God, the Lord my God. How much have we considered God. In the, in, the, in the New Testament book of Hebrews, it says that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on God. Listen, if God is going to work in our life, we have to fix our eyes on God. All right, I'm going to read some more verses, verses 5 through 13. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the ark of the covenant saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Gergesite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. He's gonna drive them out ahead of you. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then take for yourself 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand up. In one heap. How does God move his people? First thing is you have to fix your eyes upon God. You have to look to God. Second thing is this. How does God move among his people? Second thing is this. You have to step out in faith. You have to step out in faith. Notice there when we went to verse 13. When did he say the waters would stop? Here's this huge river. It's most likely at flood stage, this mighty river. They're supposed to step off carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the river. When does he say the water's going to stop? It says when the soles of their feet, the bottom of their feet rest on the river's bed. Listen to that. See that? Not on the edge. Not, not we're here on the edge. Not if it'll stop, we'll get in. Not if, hey, it looks like it's lowering up down. It's slowing down. Maybe we'll get in. When their feet have stepped in and stand on the bottom of the riverbed, the bottoms of their feet 
the water will stop. Understand, when they stepped out against all odds, against all logic, and in the face of danger, when they, when they couldn't understand, but they stepped out anyway, and the bottoms of their feet stood in the bottom of the, of the Jordan, the water stops. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the Mississippi River. I don't know if you've ever seen even the, the, the Red River when it's in, in, in flood stage. Can you imagine standing there on the edge of that and it, it looks like it's going to sweep you away. In fact, it's going to carry you off. You're going to surely drown and you have to not just hold your foot over it, but you have to step and stand in the bottom. What that means for us today is this. When we see God and we see him in our lives, And when we trust God and when we step out in faith and when we get out of the rut of the normal things of our life, we're going to see radical things. Now, what that means is as us as individuals, there has to be a point that you say, you know what? I know God. I I know who he is. I know what he's done. I trust God. And you know what? This doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's the opposite of logical. But God, I know you and I trust you and I step out in faith. And when we stand with the soles of our feet in the bottom of the stream, we're going to see supernatural things. We're going to see tremendous things. We're going to see God move in powerful ways. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about some goofy trumped up thing. You know, people say, well, there's this miracle or there's this thing. I'm not talking about some goofy thing like that. I'm talking about the power of the living God evident in your life and you know that God is working. That's going to happen when you step out in faith. How does God move his people? We put our eyes upon him. Second thing, how does he move is when we step out in faith. God, I trust you. I step out in faith. Verses 14 through 17 now. Listen to this. So when the people set out from their tents, to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks in the days of harvest, the waters which were flowing down from above stood up and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam, the city beside Zareth, and those which were flowing down toward the Sea of Arabeth the salt sea were completely cut off, so the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Here's what we see in those verses. It happened exactly as God said Did you notice this? When they did exactly as God said. It happened as as precise and as exact as God said when they they followed exactly what he said. Here's the next part. Here's the last part. How does God move his people? Here you sit and you know what? You'd like to see God work in your life. How does God move his people? First thing is this, you look to God. We got to put our eyes upon him. Second thing is you step out on faith. I trust him. If he says do it, you know what? I'm going to do it. Third thing is this, and this is the big one. You got to walk in obedience. You got to walk in obedience. I want you to notice in those last verses, 14 to 17, 
They had to follow each of his details. They had to follow each part, each one. They, they had to consecrate themselves or you know what? Nothing was going to happen. They had to keep their distance or you know what? Nothing was going to happen. They had to follow the priest or nothing was going to happen. The priest had to lead or nothing was going to happen. They had to step their foot in the water all the way to the bottom or nothing was going to happen. Each piece had to be followed in obedience. Each piece was paramount. Listen to me very carefully. To see God work in your life, to see God work in my life, in our life, we're going to have to walk in exact obedience. Here's, here's what I've figured out in all these years. That's not flashy. That's not flashy. People say, you know what? If you go and you'll pray like this and do this and stand up here and do all these things, oh, you'll see a miracle and God will do a tremendous thing. Listen, it's when you walk in obedience. That's not popular. Nobody wants to hear that. Write us a book. Tell us the flashy thing. No one wants to hear. You're going to have to be obedient to God. You're going to have to submit to God. We live in this goofy day where we want to see God move. And we want to see God's favor. I hear preachers say that all the time. We we want to walk in God's blessing. Oh, that God will bless my home and bless my kids. Oh, that he will bless my business, that he would bless my wealth, that he would bless my health, that I would never be sick. We want God to fix all of our troubles. Look at the mess that I'm in. We want him to bless all of these things. And if you notice this, nobody's talking about obedience. Men, I want you to hear this. God only blesses obedience. He doesn't bless sin. We well, you know what? I've got some sin that he's going to have to deal with. I've got some sin. I got most of them cleaned up, but I got some I'm not going to let go of. Listen, God does not bless sin. He doesn't bless partial obedience. He doesn't bless half-stepping obedience. He doesn't bless the excuses we make. God blesses and uses total obedience. And so here we sit and you say, you know what? I'd like to see God work in my marriage. And you know what? I think it may be too far gone. I'm sitting here. It's, it's too messed up. I'd like to see a, a miracle in my marriage. I'd like to see him work in my finances. It's, it's such a mess right now. I'd like to see him work in my kids. I don't know how we ever got here. What a mess we have in my home. Listen, God will work in your marriage and in your home and in your church and in your life when you walk in exact obedience. So here's the formula. You have to look to God. We have to get up this morning and say, God, what do, you, what do you want? God, how do I honor you today? God, forgive me where I messed up. We have to step out in faith and say, you know what? I, I don't understand how this is going to make any sense. I don't understand how tithing, giving money to the church is, is going to bless me financially. That doesn't make any sense. That's the opposite of sins. And you're going to have to walk in obedience. Now, we might say at this point, you know what? I don't like that formula. <laughs> I think that's our honest response. Isn't there just a prayer to pray to fix this? Couldn't they just come to the water and said, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, God of all the earth, open up this river and we'll walk across. Isn't there a prayer they could have prayed? Isn't there a prayer that we could pray? Isn't there somebody that can do something or say something? If you want to see the power of God, you have to walk in obedience. You have to look to God. You have to step out in faith. Here's the truth. Pretty awesome. It is in these things that we see the great things. You see, we've sold that short. It is in these things that nobody wants to do, that nobody wants to talk about, that you can't sell books about. It is in these things that you see 
the great things. And man, you go and you read the rest of this account and you read the, the memorial stones in the next chapter. But when they did these things, do you understand the Jordan River in its flood stage stood up? And it didn't just stand up, but the ground beneath it dried up. And, and God's people, the descendants of Abraham, that they had left and they'd been in slavery and they'd suffered death and they'd been through disease and they'd been mistreated. These folks, as they came in the miraculous power of God, they went home. They went to the promised land. Listen, it is in these things that we see great things. We have to put our eyes on God. It's in these things that we see great things. We have to step out in faith. It is in these things that we see great things. We have to walk in obedience. That is his formula, and he blesses his formula. Oh, I'd like to see great things. Listen, it starts with these things. Nobody's going to come along and say, hey, I notice you're doing these things. It's not going to be bragged upon, oh, you're great in these things. They want to see the big things. But it is in these things that we see the great things. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead this in a word of prayer. Glad you're here. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for, for your truth. Thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your kindness to direct us, to lead us. Thankful for the Savior that we have. That we're forgiven of our sin. That we're forgiven of our rebellion. We're forgiven where we, we rebelled against you, turned against you. Thankful that your grace is greater than the, the biggest mountain of our sin. The, the greatest stack of our sin, your grace is taller than that. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of my sin, our sin, not in any work but in the kindness of a, of a powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as we read this today that we would be encouraged, that we would want to see great things, and we would want to be walking around not in a normal life, not in a normal drudgery, not in just a, a pale existence, but that we would see the mighty things of God. But Lord, help us be great in these things. Help us to look to you. Help us to walk in faith. Help us to walk in tremendous obedience. Bless us as men here today. Use us for your name's sake. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.